Hello, I'm Anne-Marie McMahill with the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University, and this is the ParentingMontana.org podcast. In this ParentingMontana.org podcast, we'll be learning about intentional communication. I'd like to introduce our guest for today's podcast, Dr. Carrie Finley. Dr. Finley is a licensed clinical social worker who has over a decade of experience working with individuals and families in rural communities. Now, Dr. Finley is a research scholar at Montana State University, where her primary research interests are on understanding and creating behavior change, preventing the misuse of substances, and child well-being. Carrie is a contributing author to many of the tools and resources found on ParentingMontana.org. She's also the mom of an eight-year-old. So welcome, Carrie. Thanks for being here today. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're going to get started today by having you explain a little bit about what is meant by intentional communication. Intentional communication is really talking, listening, and spending time to really understand your child's point of view. Intentional communication really is about intentionality, where you come into the conversation in a different way. You're really trying to engage with your child and understand your child's point of view. As parents, we are working all the time to build our children's skills. And intentional communication is a way that we can build their social emotional skills and at the same time, build the relationship that we have with them. So there's a difference, it sounds like, between talking with your child and not at your child. I know that can be a bit different. I think I I strive for talking with my child, but sometimes it comes out like I'm talking at my child. I think with intentional communication, you're really creating opportunities where you and your child can listen to each other and understand what the other person or what your child is feeling as well as what they want and what they need. I think it's also about modeling. It's a modeling, a way of communicating that really focuses on the relationship you have with them. There are times I think that a parent needs to just talk at their child, be more direct and, you know, not engage in a conversation. So you are not saying that this is a way of talking all the time, right? There's times where you still need to be super direct with your kids. So yes, absolutely. If their hand is going to touch a hot stove or you need to stop them from crossing a street without looking, for the most part, intentional communication really focuses on your relationship. But in these instances where they're going to touch the hot stove or, or cross the street, your focus really is on their safety. I feel like I'm in that groove of being really intentional in my communication. But for example, this morning, when I think I tripped on my daughter's shoes for like the 10th time this week, I was frustrated. So I want to be direct in that case, but you are saying that this is a time for being more intentional in the way that I talk with her. You know, I wouldn't want to engage when you're frustrated and you've just tripped over her shoes. Um, you might need some time first and then to come back when you both would feel calm and ready to talk. But using intentional communication to have a conversation about her shoes is a great example. All right. So help me understand why, because I think parenting can be difficult and we have a lot to think about as parents. And so why would a parent want to talk this way with their kids or invest their time into figuring out this way of communicating with their kids? Yeah. In addition, I think to growing and building social and emotional skills and growing your relationship, intentional communication really fosters a sense of ownership in that communication because it allows your child to be active in the conversation with you. So when your child has a sense of ownership and is active in that conversation, they're much less likely to feel defensive. 
I also think sets up the stage for more challenging issues that are going to come your way in the future. So doesn't inviting my daughter into a conversation about her shoes diminish my authority as a parent? There's times I just want her to put her shoes away. No, I, you know, I don't think intentional communication undermines your authority as a parent. Instead, I really think it engages your daughter and engaging with her about that issue really does build her skills. It allows her to really think through the issue with you. And I think as a parent, it helps you to convey like what you need as the parent. How do you get started in this? I want like concrete examples, what I would do first when trying to be intentional. I think the first piece, when you think about intentional communication, you first want to start by connecting. The relationship that you're building with your child is so important. And you always want to start by focusing on the relationship before you do anything with the content. What does that sound like? Or what does that look like to do that? I think when you start by connecting, it could look like a hug. Or it could look like saying something like, you seem stressed, is that right? Or are you feeling overwhelmed? That makes sense. And then I think after you do that, you'd want to describe the purpose of the conversation. Like tell your child what you really want to talk about so that they know. For younger kids, it could be something like, I'd like to talk about sharing your toys with your sister. Or for an older child, it might look like, I'd like to talk with you about your plans for the weekend. You don't want your child to guess what this conversation is going to be about. So you want to really tell them directly. I feel like I do that okay, but sometimes I find myself, and I don't mean to, but I try to like start a conversation just a few minutes before I'm dropping her off at school or in that those couple of minutes right before she's heading to bed. Our days are just so busy. Her days are so busy. It's really difficult to find a good or quiet time to have a conversation. Yeah, car rides can be a great time to talk. I've used that strategy myself, but not right before you drop her off at school. You also wanna make sure that there's enough time for the conversation. So you might give your child a heads up that you wanna find a time to talk with them. Like, you know, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk after dinner? Or let's spend some time um, after practice to talk about your homework. So letting them know and setting that up, but really making sure there is enough time to have the conversation that you want to have. So I've done that before where I've, um, admit it always feels really daunting. Like, you know, we're going to, do you have a few minutes to talk with me? And so I think that that's different to say like, Hey, do you have a few minutes that we could catch up and talk about homework is a little bit different by, I think, conveying that purpose. And I think it helps give my daughter ownership over the conversation as well. Like I'm respecting her and bringing her into that space of saying, I don't need to talk right now as you're getting ready to think about your day and heading off to school, but we'll find some time to do it. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think it would give her some ownership over the conversation. And finally, I think you really want to also pay attention to your state of mind and your child's state of mind. So your own emotions and your state of mind as a parent are going to absolutely influence the way that you listen and talk. And then your child's frame of mind, the same thing that also matters. So for example, you know, after a bad game or after flunking a test or something, um, it's not the time to talk about practicing or studying more. Or talking about her getting out the door in the morning is probably not the best to talk about, you know, five minutes before I'm dropping her off at school. So, I mean, that makes sense. So I'm taking notes as you're talking, Carrie. And, you know, as a parent, what I think I'm hearing you say is when I create the conditions, I want to connect with 
them first, describe the purpose of the conversation, and make sure there's enough time available and really be mindful of my state of mind and my kid's state of mind. What's next? So after you've created those conditions, then you want to actively listen. So active listening involves using a lot of different open-ended questions that invite your child to tell their story in their own words. What do open-ended questions sound like? Well, you just asked me one. Uh, So it's really any question that can't be answered with yes or no. So for example, while listening to a story of your daughter's, you could reflect on what she's saying and then rephrase that. It might sound something like, can you describe what happened between you and your brother today when you were doing the dishes? Or you could ask a question like, how does this make you feel? Or, you know, help me understand what happened. And then after she shares her story, you could follow up by reflecting on what you heard her say. So you could say something like, it sounds like you were wanting to dry the dishes, but your brother also wanted to, and you weren't up for letting him have a say, so you felt angry when he left, is that right? Really by reflecting and rephrasing her story, you are helping to invite more conversation. Also helping her to build her emotional vocabulary. I like the way this feels and I do try to reflect. I have um, a 13 year old and so oftentimes I assume that she is, is acting in a way or doing something that is different. So by sort of reflecting and rephrasing exactly what I'm hearing her say that helps me not to jump to any conclusions. Are there any tips that you can give parents on active listening, like, or any traps that we can avoid? You know, I think one of the important elements of active listening is body language. And so, you know, as a parent, you don't want to look distracted or look like you're talking, you know, looking at your phone or appear to be in a hurry to hear her story. Your child is going to pick up on that and your body language really quickly. And that can make a big difference on the conversation. That's why I kind of like talking when you're driving in a car too, because I am sitting next to her and I'm focused out the windshield. Because I think if I were to have those, you know, conversations sitting on the couch together, I think at times my body language would show my frustration where when I'm driving, sometimes that's a nice time to look out the window and being able to talk about big things without really making her defensive. What what are some other things? You know, you may hear something you don't like (laughs) when you're inviting someone to tell their story and really actively listening. You might hear something as a parent that you don't really like. And in those instances, it's important that you avoid interrupting or judging or giving advice like we want to as parents, interrupting or, you know, giving advice when you've listened, when you're in that state of listening can be a trap, absolutely, that we can easily fall into. And it can prevent your child from fully engaging with you and and wanting to share more of those details about the story. So I think this can be really difficult and probably my pitfall. I mean, I have a teenager, so I often, I don't know if I often hear things I don't want to hear, but I'm always prepared to hear things that I don't want to hear. And so I find myself jumping right in. Um, It really does take me being intentional and thinking about, you know, staying calm and not interrupting. And then when I'm ready to talk, really trying to focus on doing that in an intentional way. So how do I do that in an intentional way? You know, active listening, I think, is just one part of intentional communication. But you're right. It's a two-way dialogue. And so it is about listening, but it's also about talking. I think iMessages can really help you to talk with your child in a way that they can hear. So give me an example of what that looks like. 
the goal of an iMessage is to convey the impact of your child's actions without blame. So notice the difference between these two statements. I could say something like, you are being so rude by slamming the door like that. Or a statement like, I feel really upset when you slam the door. So the second statement, I feel upset when you slam the door, avoids making any guesses about, about the intention behind their behavior. That would really, I think, save my relationship with my daughter quite a few times, I, I can already tell. Yeah, I know I don't like it when people accuse me of something and my first reaction is to become defensive and, and children are no different. So just setting it up in a way that takes ownership, the I portion really shows the impact on you. And then the you portion is about the behavior that you noticed. So I like the idea of being able to show my impact. I, I think that it's important that our kids see us as people and, you know, someone that gets frustrated or I get my feelings hurt. So being able to show the impact of my child's behavior on me, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I messages usually have three parts. So it's my feeling, your behavior, and the impact. So if we go back to the example of your daughter's shoes on the floor, you could respond by saying, you know, you are being so inconsiderate by leaving your shoes everywhere. It's just unacceptable. But unfortunately, a statement like that really is going to shut down the conversation and most likely is going to escalate that anger that your child already feels. So using an iMessage instead, you could say something like, I feel frustrated when I come home and your things aren't put away. And just taking ownership, like I feel frustrated, this allows your child to hear your feelings and it doesn't assign blame. Yeah, or I feel exhausted when I notice your shoes in the floor and I have to put them away. My daughter's 13 though. And so I would imagine that by modeling iMessages, she's going to be able to respond to me with an iMessage of her own. Like I can hear her saying, I feel like you're not listening to me, how busy I am. And that's, you know, why my shoes can't get put away. But I, I can see there's value in each of us being able to be heard and, you know, being really conscientious about an iMessage would help build our relationship. Yeah. iMessages really do, I think, invite your child into a conversation with you where both of you can leave with a better understanding of each other and how you're feeling and hopefully a solution for how to change things in the future. That makes sense. Yeah. And then the final part of intentional communication really is about apologizing when you need to. That can be hard for a parent to do. But I think it's so important. Apologizing or admitting when you're wrong is really modeling and demonstrating vulnerability. It's demonstrating a willingness to grow. And it normalizes mistakes. It helps your child understand that, you know, mistakes are part of learning and getting better. Having to apologize is not a failure. Instead, it really does strengthen the relationship that you have with your child, and it provides an opportunity for reflection. I like the opportunity of emphasizing apologizing because I think, again, it's important for our kids to see us as people. You know, you said apologizing isn't a failure. I, I think that parents feel like they're failing a lot when it comes to raising their kids. We There's a lot that influence us as parents right now. Um... I, I also don't think that we always know how to give a good apology. So what advice do you give on like how, how to apologize to your kids? You know, the most important thing in apologizing is to be genuine and be specific about what you're apologizing for. 
I would make sure to avoid adding words like if or but after your apology. So for example, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings or I'm sorry for hurting your feelings, but when you continue not to listen to me, I feel upset. So just avoiding those like if or but words in an apology is important. Both of these apologies with if or but put the blame on the child. Keep the apology specific and short and then give your child some time to respond to you. I really appreciate like these concrete steps about intentional communication and there is a lot to it, but what advice would you give to the parents listening right now that feel a bit intimidated about where to start? Start slow. Choose one topic to practice. Um, Maybe you want to build your child's confidence or grow their reading skills. I think it's best not to start with an issue that you've already been facing. From the website, print out intentional communication from the I Want to Know More section of Parenting Montana and use it as a guide. Put it on your fridge. um, Have it available to you when you're practicing. I also think that printing out the feelings chart can be helpful for your child of any age. Learning how to understand and name our feelings is a skill that we can always continue to grow. You can also find steps to take built into each tool for the age of your child on the website. Each tool comes with a tool summary that you can print and and put those as a reminder where you're going to see them, you know, on your fridge or in a place that that you, you know, on your bathroom mirror. And as you become more familiar with the process, your confidence will build. So I have a few more questions. I was just reflecting back on your training as a licensed clinical social worker. And so from that lens and from, you know, working with parents and families that you've done in the past, what are some things that you wish parents knew about communication? One of the things I wish parents knew about communication is that it's a, it's a two-way street. It's always, we, we, we say it's a conversation when we're like telling or lecturing, but really, if you think about all of the issues that we work on with our children, we want to think about communication as a two-way street. We do really want to invite our kids into a dialogue with us. And so thinking about as a parent, how to do that, how do you invite a conversation with your child and having that two-way dialogue is really something that I, I've learned as a social worker, um, but I think it's, it's advice for parents. When I think it's a, it's a skill, so it's a skill that you're learning as a parent, it's a skill that you're teaching your kid that will stay with them. I think at times, you know, when you talk about communication in this way, it can feel like it's not real. You know, a lot of times I have a lot of emotion coming into a like, you know, shoes on the floor one more time. I mean, I'm naturally frustrated by that, but I think the difference with intentional communication is I've practiced it so many times that I know I need to probably not address it in the moment. I need to take a deep breath, get my own emotions under control, and then have a real conversation with her, not just tell her what to do or tell her what I want her to do in that moment. But it's so important when she can see me as a human and a mom to say, you know, gosh, I'm going to work all day. Like I'm tired. I just would like to come home and not have shoes everywhere. And it's created this great space for us as a family to, I think, be seen and, and be heard and know that, you know, when we address little issues like shoes, when 
bigger issues come down the road, we're going to have this platform to be able to talk from because, you know, she's 13. So big issues are coming. If we're facing some of those big issues, the communication style is still the same, right? You would still stay with this intentional tips for intentional communication. Absolutely. Yeah. When you start with smaller issues, you can practice. And so it, and then when those big issues come around, you, you're, in such a better place to continue that dialogue. So practicing, I think, is a big a big piece that we can do as parents. So what would you want parents or those in a parenting role listening to today's podcast, what would you want them to remember from today? Like if you could pick out the one thing from what we've talked about. Learning this way of communication doesn't happen by chance. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and effort to learn something new. So it's important just to give yourself permission to not do it perfectly. It's okay to make a plan to practice with, you know, one small issue and it might not be successful right away, but just keep practicing. So Carrie, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. The key Takeaway from what I'm hearing today is intentional communication is a style of communicating where both parents and the child get their needs met. By engaging in intentional communication, you're increasing the likelihood that both of you are heard. And this type of communication is done through creating conditions, active listening, using iMessages, and apologizing when needed. Intentional communication has benefits for both parents and kids like growing social and emotional skills, and encouraging curiosity. Teaching and modeling effective communication grows a healthy relationship between a parent and a child. Information on intentional communication can be found under the communications tab in the I wanna know more section of parentingmontana.org. In addition, check out the feelings chart, a way to teach feeling words to help in emotional growth in the same section. You can also find an easy to use rat card on intentional communication in the website's media section. So thank you for joining us today. Keep checking back for additional podcasts, tools, and resources being added to parentingmontana.org. The parentingmontana.org podcast is produced by the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University in collaboration with the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Service and is brought to you by the Offices of Child Care, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and Montana Department of Public Health and Human Service. The host for this episode was Anne-Marie McMahill. The guest for this episode was Dr. Carrie Finley. Production support for this podcast was provided by Jamie Arpin, Katie Dively, Dr. Carrie Finley, Karen Gee, Kelly Green, Dr. Bridget Hansen, Anne-Marie McMahill, Jay Otto, and Dr. Nick Ward from the Center for Health and Safety Culture at Montana State University. The ParentingMontana.org podcast is engineered by Cactus Productions. Our theme music is Reasons to Hope from Reed Mathis. Thanks for listening to the ParentingMontana.org podcast.